Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. My name is Lady Lane, and I am your host of the This, That, and the Third show. You know, I really hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you ate a whole lot of food and spent a whole lot of great time, you know, and quality time with family. Because oftentimes, at least I find, I spend a lot of time in the kitchen on Thanksgiving. So this was one of the first Thanksgivings that I actually made it a priority to step out of the kitchen and sit down and spend time with my family. Um, And I must say that we had an awesome and amazing Thanksgiving. And I hope you all did too. You know, um, today, you know, I always begin, you know, the same way, um, you know, dedicating and talking about God because Without God, honestly, where would we be? Where would I be? Where, what would we have, right? Everything that we have and everything that we are is a credit to him. And, you know, today, I don't know, it's, it's been on my mind all morning. It's been in my heart. And I don't know who I'm speaking to out here right now, but forever, you know, for anyone who needs this, I just want to talk a little bit about you know, the idea of what is God calling you to do? You know, because oftentimes I think we have this idea that, you know, um, we can't miss out on God's blessing or we can't stop our blessing. If God has it, you know, for us, and then it's just going to be for us. And I'm going to tell you, no, we, we can miss out on our blessings. We can block our blessings. So when I ask you, you know, what is God calling you to do? I mean, think about it. Like, what is that thought, right, that you just can't shake for your life? You know, that you, that's reoccurring, that you just can't let go of. That reoccurring dream that you have, right? That voice that keeps speaking to you, telling you, You know, this is the direction or this is, you know, where you should be going or where you should be heading or this is what you want to do, right? What what is that thing that you can't let go of in your life? Because oftentimes when we have that thing that we just can't let go of, you know, like for me, I, I, I always had this like reoccurring thought or dream that I was just meant to be a public speaker, that I was just meant to speak and help people, right? I've, I've just always known that. And that is something, like I said, it would keep me up at night, it would keep me awake. And I think for s- such a long time, I suffered from what I like to call failure to launch, right? And that is something that a lot of us suffer from, right? failure to launch. We sit, we think, we overthink, and we think ourselves right out of the one thing that God has called us to do. And so I'm going to challenge all of you listening to this. I'm going to challenge you, you know, to launch, to step out, to try and see things through the eyes of faith. And finally, I'm going to challenge each and every single one of you this afternoon 
I'm going to challenge you to let your faith take you somewhere you've never been before. Because he wants to. God wants to bless you. Some of you, he just needs you to launch out and launch out into that unknown. Sometimes we hold on a little longer than we should. Letting go can be hard, but it's sometimes for our good. The fear of what's ahead sometimes makes us fall behind. We can see the times are changing, but pretend that we're so blind. Life in a different view. 
Thank all of our listeners who are tuning in either on Apple Music, Streama, TuneIn Radio, or on the WDRB Music site itself. Well, I should say not music site, but website itself. All right, welcome to the This, That, and the Third show. Now, as you all know, for the past two weeks, um, and for those of you who don't know, I have been really talking about public education and what needs to be done. Because... The reality of the matter is we are spending and sending billions and billions of dollars to other countries, you know, to help them fight their wars when in reality we are losing our own war back home. And that is the war on public education. And before I get too much further into this topic, I wanted to introduce you to my co-host. Um, who really has excellent insight and perspective on things. He is, you know, my friend. I mean, he is one of the best people I know, and he's also the host of his own show right here on WDRB Media called Mental Mobility, which airs, all right, at 7.30 in the evening? Yeah, that's correct, on Thursdays. 7.30 7.30 on Thursdays, all right? So yeah. please make sure you tune in. But, yes, he is my host for today, the one, and well, co-host, the one and only Thad D. Yeah, thank you for welcoming me, Jillian. Well, thank you for being here. Miss Lady Lane. Yes. Don't you forget yes. it. <laughs> That's right. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to have you here because, yes, I, I, I appreciate it because oftentimes, sometimes it gets lonely staring down the lone mic. But anyway, <laughs> let's get back to education because that's what the topic yes. I would love to talk about today. Yeah, it's so, an important topic. It, it is an important topic that I think people give oftentimes a lot of lip service to it. Yes. You know, how many times have we all heard in life, oh, those teachers, and I said this before, need to get paid more. Oh, they need to fix those schools. Or, oh, we need to go. It's a topic yeah. that everybody gives lip service to, but nobody really seems to do anything about yeah. At the end of the day. And so I want to say something first of all. Uh you know how people um you know how you go get those scratch offs, right? And it says education lottery on the back? Yes. Where's all that money going to? You know all that money we they always talk about they need money for the teachers' salaries, the teachers don't get paid enough and it's not enough this or that for the school system. But they're making billions and billions of dollars off them scratch-offs in the lottery, right? And they say it's an education lottery? Yeah. 
And that's what they sure do. That's the education lottery. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because North Carolina is, is, I don't think because, you know, I'm originally from New Jersey. And I don't even know if New Jersey puts the education lottery on their thing. They just say New Jersey lottery. But North Carolina does make it a point to put education lottery. And if we look at where North Carolina falls on teacher salaries in the nation, yeah, we, we are not great. I mean, I'm not going to say we're a 50th, but we're not in the top 10 yeah. at all. So that, I mean, that would be a great question. So if anybody knows anybody who works for the NC Lottery Commission, <laughs> the Education Lotto, yeah. and, you know, please. How is that money allocated? Please yeah. tell us. We would really like to know how is that money Maybe allocated. Maybe we should dig deeper and try to find out because it should be public information, right? It should be public information, but you know sometimes what's written on paper is not exactly what happens. That's true. You know behind the scenes. So true. Because let's face it, I've been and you know as a teacher of 17 years, I have been in in districts where you know the central office will spend millions. Yeah. On new furniture for central <coughs> office, <laughs> you know, um, or they'll spend millions of dollars on educational programs that they purchase yeah. in, let's just say, because it worked in states like Iowa or yeah. it worked in states like, you know, yeah. Minnesota or, it was you a know, certain demographic, it was a certain demographic. And then yeah. they want to bring it here. And then they're like, oh, my God, this program's not working. So mm-hmm. we'll just toss it. All right, and so there goes millions and millions of dollars. Um, Or if we look at how much some of the admin get paid, some of the top admin, you know, you have, and don't even get me started on like high school and athletic directors, because you have some high school athletic directors making more money than teachers who've been in, you know, teaching for 30 years. So, I, I mean, yeah. Because they feel like that's what makes the money for the school, right? The athletic programs. Yeah. Right? It, it is what makes the money for yeah. a lot. So, therefore, what makes the money, you know, that, that that's what they pay for. And, it, and it's very interesting because I remember once there was a certain politician who went on to be president who once said, you show me your budget and I'll show you what you value. Hmm. And if we look at, you know, the educational budget, I mean, think about this. How is it that, no, really, how is it that I was in, you know, school, elementary school, middle school, you know, 35 plus 40 years ago, not to age myself, right? How is it that we had more educational offerings 35, 40 years ago than we do today when we have so much more. I mean, think about it. When I went to school, I went to an elementary school, you had instrumental class. That was not, that was an addition to music. That was an addition to music. You had an instrumental class because in elementary school, everybody who wanted to, it didn't matter if you could afford it or not, but everybody who wanted to learned how to play the instruments that the school was offering, which usually consist of, you know, your band instruments. But you started to learn how to play in elementary school. In elementary school, I learned how to play the trumpet, and I played the trumpet right on up through middle school, and I dropped it in high school. But it was there as an offering. 
How many elementary schools do you have where kids are learning instruments across the nation? Now, I know there are some, but there are far few in between, right? How many, how many schools still offer home ec, right? How many schools? I mean, we had home ec 30 years ago. What, what happened to home ec? Right, all the home ec is gone. Kids these days, they're not learning cooking in school like we used to. They're not learning sewing. They're not learning those life skills. They're not learning any of that. A lot of schools these days don't even offer art. Like art was not an elective when I was growing up. And I mean, in middle school, art was a requirement. You know, you yeah. took art, right? I mean, you had also like metal shop, wood shop. You know, you had automo, automotive yeah. mechanics, whatever. Yeah. You got when we were in high school, we had that. I don't, I don't hear a lot of that. I'm not saying that that does not exist at all in the nation, but so many schools, they've done away with all those yeah. programs, right? So I, I just am so, and that really bothers me that if you think about it, our kids are getting technically a more limited education than we received yeah. growing up. Well, they're getting educated by a computer now. They educate themselves, right, by the <laughs> phone and video game. <laughs> Which is another issue unto itself. Yeah. And, you know, and that, it's, it's funny because that, that, that leads me to something that I did want to discuss because last week I said this week I wanted to talk to parents because... And some of you are not going to like what I have to say, parents. And I, and I will say this. There was this um, political cartoon. It's, I was telling you about this one this morning. And it really sums up what one of the biggest problems is. So there was this political cartoon where they were showing a teacher, a child, a young boy, and his two parents. Yeah. And it was like 1983. Three, let's just say and the father was holding a, a paper of the little boys and on top of the paper it said F and so the father and mother are looking at the little boy with this F and they're saying explain this right yeah. you need to explain this son how did you get this grade so then right right next to it all right or juxtaposed they have this other one of like today present day same setup teacher sitting behind the desk two parents little boy Father's holding the paper with the F, but this time the father is dangling the F in front of the teacher's face saying, explain this, explain this. And that is at the heart, one of the biggest problems right there is somehow along the way, teachers became the enemy, <laughs> right? Teachers have taken on a more, or parents have taken on a more adversarial relationship with teachers. Because there was a time when I was growing up, you know, the teacher, if, if my teacher called my house, forget about it. Like, like my mother was automatically taking the teacher's side. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. Whatever came out of the teacher's mouth, that was just law. That is what happened, right? Sir, just like the movie theater, I'm gonna need you to silence your phone, thank you. Excuse okay. So, now, all of a sudden, parents want to blame the teacher. If my kid is getting poor grades, it must be the teacher's fault. What is the teacher doing? I once was at a barbecue with this very lovely woman. And she said to me, you know, Jillian, you're a teacher. 
I had one of my daughter's teachers called my house over the weekend, and she's telling me that, you know, my daughter is making too much noise and she's causing a disruption in my class and she just can't teach because every time she teaches, you know, my daughter's in the back talking, laughing, carrying on. And so she was like, have you ever made those type of phone calls? And I said, if need be, yes, because you, the parent, need to know what's, what your child is doing. You know what her response was to me? What about, instead of taking the time to call me, what about you as a teacher taking the time to figure out why my child is so bored in your class that she's acting out? And I just really couldn't believe that. I'm like, what? So instead of calling you because your child is in the back talk, I, I need to think about, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was running an entertainment business. I, I thought I was, you know, running a classroom. I mean, yeah, school does need to be made engaging, but kids have to also learn that not everything's going to be fun. Not everything is going to have bells and whistles. Not everything is going to look like a TikTok video. <laughs> not everything is going to, you know, be pizzazz and music and everything behind it. You know, there is still something called being in a classroom and being a student and knowing that, look, I might not be interested in this, but I still have to do it. But her comment, you know, getting back to what she said, just really speaks to a lot of times this adversarial relationships parents have with teachers. Now, I'm not saying teachers don't get it wrong because sometimes yeah. teachers do get it wrong. Right. I mean, there's a certain percentage of, of people in every profession that gets things wrong. All right. There are bad teachers. So please, I don't want as I've gone through these past two weeks talking about public education and my teachers and everything like that. I don't want it. You know, I don't want anyone to think it's lost on me that there are certain people who definitely should not be in the teaching profession because I've come across a lot of those people who should not be in the teaching profession. So, yeah, I, I am well, well this aware is of that. What, this is something I want to say. It's uh, a little, um, uh, what do you say? It's not, uh, wouldn't go along with the norms of uh, how most people would think, but... Uh, I think there's a big disconnect when you have uh, just the whole setting of, of um, the schooling in some, in some cases. If there's more of a community-based thing where, you know, like back when our parents grew up, the children like grew up beside their teacher or the teacher was right down the street or they usually, they might have bought milk from the same person. Uh, up the street that was their teacher or you know they might have gotten bread down the street from another lady that they taught them but however there's a disconnect now between the the parent and the teacher and the teacher and the student and like you were saying in the beginning the the parent is asking the student why they ain't getting this f so that's a disconnect between the parent and the student you know you should maybe have a little bit better relationship um to know already why your child got the F. You know your child's going to bed late. You know your child's up playing video games or they're not doing their schoolwork and you still let them go do this and that. So there's probably a better explanation or you're not checking their homework, you know, stuff like that. So that's a disconnect. 
there, I think, between the child and the parent to be like, well, why did you get this F? Because you're not keeping up with your child to know to get to the report card and then see an F. And then with the teacher, the same way, the teacher should be held accountable as well because the teacher shouldn't let the child go to the point of getting an F without the oh, yeah, parent no. knowing. So, right? like, and there it was, wasn't. It didn't just resolve, it didn't just get to an yeah, F like I, overnight, right? No, and, that, so and that's very. So disconnect on both sides. And that's very true, though. That wasn't the point of the political cartoon because I agree. If they were standing there with a report card, then yeah, this is a whole nother conversation. But just, you know, the political cartoon was one assignment. But yeah, definitely. If you are a teacher and you have a student that is failing and you have not made any effort, shape, phone call, any effort to reach out to the parent in any which way, no, you have not done your due diligence. But you bring up a great point. I mean, parents, you know what your kids are doing when they come home from school right? or what they're not doing. Right. If your kids get home from school and they're just upstairs on their phone and they're just watching TikTok and there's not any oversight besides, do you have homework? And the kid goes, yeah, make sure you get it done. Okay. You know, it's what do you have for homework? And this is another thing, too. A lot of schools these days are moving away from paper homework. Everything is on the computer. Everything is on the computer. Google Classroom, Google. Because I had to ask my daughter one time, why don't I see stuff coming home? Where are your papers? Where are your test grades? It's like two weeks into school. I, and she goes, it's all on Google Classroom, which is, the, which is another big problem in and of itself. And that I think schools need to look at. They are taking away <laughs> a lot of the parents' you know, access to what their kids are doing. Before it was just let me see your book bag or let me see your homework folder. Let me go through this or let me go through your binder. Let me. Now everything is, you know, every teacher has their own little mini Google Classroom that you got to click in and you have to know how to navigate. And are schools giving workshops to parents on how to access Google Classroom, how it works, how it. So, yeah, sometimes the disconnect is occurring because, you know, in that respect, parents are being kept out of the loop but on the flip side as a parent it is also your responsibility to like i did send an email to all of her teachers <laughs> figure out like every 10 days i email all of my daughter's teachers and how is she doing what is she doing you know how are her grades i, I look at you know like there are no surprises for me as a parent, there are no surprises. Um, and yeah, if as a parent you are surprised, then that means you're right. There's a disconnect happening somewhere. Um, and you know, one of the things that I will say about teachers, especially middle school, high school teachers, a middle school, high school teacher could have 120 plus kids. Um, you know, I've heard some high school teachers having as many as 260 kids, right? Between their classes, between class sizes. Mm -hmm. A parent will never have as many kids as a as a teacher has students. Yeah, so true. And therefore, it has to start with the parents making that inquiry. A teacher should never care 
more about your child, even though some do, than you, the parent, even though some teachers genuinely do. Because they're passionate about their occupation. Oh, yeah. You have yeah. to be. And that's how you should be. Because yeah. you don't get into teaching for the money. <laughs> you yeah. know? You, you, you really got to be passionate, and you really got to want yeah. to affect and bring about change yeah. um, a, as a teacher. And, you know, we need, when I say we, even though I'm not teaching anymore, I yeah. still have the heart of a teacher. Like, we need the parent involvement. Yeah. I used to say, you know, as, as a teacher, the, the kids whose parents I see all the time, hmm. all the time, you know, are the parents I never need to see because yeah. their kids are phenomenal. But it's because I constantly see the parents, that's yeah. why their kids are phenomenal. It's the yeah. kids whose parents I never see. And one yeah. of the things, you know, when I was a teacher, I used to always try to make myself accessible. Because let's face it, you know, some of these parents may want to be involved, but they can't be involved because they're too busy working two jobs to put food on the table. And so how do you, you know, reach those parents or the parents who have language barriers and who can't come into the school um, or some parents due to their documentation may be scared to come into a school. Yeah. You know? Then you have those that don't have parents. Yeah. They stand with their aunt or their grandmother or who knows who, if they even have somewhere to stay. But still, I think all of that goes back uh, to community development. You know, when the community is together because there are other uh, deeper issues that are the reason why the education system may be faltering our children, you know. So we have to address those as well, other social issues that, um, you know, cause this cycle. No, we definitely do. And one of the things that I am a big supporter of and that I stress a lot is this idea of equity in education. Yeah. You know, and, and equity does not mean giving everybody the same thing. Equity means giving every person what they need to be successful. And that is what needs to start happening. And I feel like, you know, and, and even this conversation kind of reflects one of the biggest problems of education is that so many different, so many things have to be changed. There's so many components that have to be addressed, you know, in, in, in order to reform this educational system. It, it's, it's, you know, it's parents have to, you know, have to change. You know, administration has to change. You know, the way some teachers teach has to change and we have to embrace and move forward, you know, in, into, you know, the future of technology, et cetera, right? The federal government, the state governments, the money that people allocate towards teach. I mean, it, it's towards education. I mean, it is such a multifaceted problem. Yeah. And we need to address it now. Mm -hmm. Like, we need to address it with some urgency. And I must say this, you know, that a lot of times, uh, we, you know, there's a saying that says, you can't change the world, but if you want to change the world, change yourself first. 
So that goes back, you know, to what I was saying about community. If we can create more programs in our communities, then it's going to give children, uh, it's going to occupy them more, you know, especially these programs are geared more towards education or real life things that they can use when they get to older ages that, you know, really going to be beneficial to their growth and development. So well, and we I create more programs, which is, you know, a solution to the issues of why, um, you know, there's a disconnect between students and parents or just the school system and why there could be more uh, programs to hone the skills of children so that they could really live out their purpose in life instead of just being educated by the public school system and things that you learn that you don't really use when you get after 25, 30 years old because well, you finished your education. It's just the educational system that probably needs total refinement. It, 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 uh, I was going to say, it does. It, it, the educational system needs to be, the public educational system needs to be dismantled and rebuilt. And, and, and that's really what needs to happen. And in our communities, there has to be an awakening Right. There has to be an awakening where we're asking our elected officials, our local elected officials, we're asking our school board members, we're asking, like, what are you doing to put education in the forefront? Yeah. What are you doing? Right. People what get are blinded by the money, though. What are your, There's people you know, that get elected. I yeah, think well, that's course, what happens. Because you know what it is? No, because <laughs> right? education is such a great, like, like speaking point yes we need to pay teachers more yes we need to support our public schools yes we need to prepare the american students to face this you know new world yeah. and we need to yes and but but then psh, as soon as the camera stopped rolling as soon as you know they've done the victory lap and as soon as they get in office like education falls by the wayside yeah. And so but there's a certain agenda, so the individual's uh, request and what, what's important to the individual's growth and development doesn't really matter when it doesn't align with their agenda. No. Because but they uh, plan for this to, agenda to get carried yeah, out, whatever their agendas are. We have to realize the power of our vote. Yeah. And, you know, fool me once, but you know what? At the end of whatever term you're elected, you know, you're elected for, you're out of here because you're not going to fool me twice and you're not going to get reelected. And, and I think that we have to, as a nation, as, as a community, as uh, whatever state you're in, we have to start forcing our leaders to make education a priority because we cannot afford not to. I was listening to um, Bill Maher, and he spoke about it. He just spoke about education last week, and I was like, oh my gosh, because I've been speaking about education, you know, as well. And when he said that a third of our students are at proficiency across the nation in reading, Like, if we look at the numbers, like, I'm not going to bring, like, because last week I presented a whole lot of numbers. But if you look at the numbers, they are, they, they are staggering. Like, we should be embarrassed. <laughs> As a nation, One we third. should be embarrassed. Like, we are, we are raising a nation of dummies. But let me tell you why a lot of these elected officials and don't care. I'm going to tell you. Because their kids don't go to public schools. Exactly. 
they they don't worry about their kids' education. Yeah, they have a whole different curriculum than they're taught by. Oh, yeah. They have a much different curriculum. They don't worry about their kids' education. So, therefore, it's not a priority to them. It's not. Public education is not. And, and that's why we, the community, we have to let them know. Public education may not be important to you, but it damn sure is important to us. Because there are far more of, there are far more people who send their kids to public schools than who don't. And that's the reality of the situation. And we, unless we as a people come together and affect real change and make it a focal point of, of an election, nothing is ever going to happen. I mean, it's crazy that, you know, the focal point of the, of the election is going to be the war in Ukraine or, you know, the war in Israel and how are, you know, our leaders going to handle it? How are, I mean, but nobody's talking about education. Nobody. I don't even think, now grant you, you know, I watched the Republican debates and grant you Republicans generally are for privatizing public school anyway, so I didn't expect it to come up at, at a debate, but it seems like nobody's talking about public education. We're just going to let it go straight to crap. You know, teacher shortages have been running rampant, right? They can't find teachers. Nobody wants to be a teacher. Teachers are getting assaulted in hallways. Teachers are getting beat up. Teachers are getting, it is not safe to be a teacher. It really isn't. And, you know, hmm. no one, I mean, at what point do we say, wow? <laughs> like, like, at what point? When you're sitting there with a class of size of 45 because you don't have enough teachers to cover classes. And that, by the way, that did happen. There were, I've heard of that where schools opened and they were understaffed and you had classes of 40 kids. You had classes. How are you effectively teaching those kids? You're not. That's how. You're not. So I, 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 I don't know who or what has to happen before the alarm is sounded. Because, I mean, to me, we, we, we are in like, you know, we are quickly approaching, you know, a tipping point. And we need to do something community we really need to do something to wake some people up because this is too important of a cause to just let it fall by the wayside wake up everybody no more sleeping in bed no more back to thinking time for thinking ahead world's changed so very much from what it used to be there's so much hatred war and poverty oh, oh. wake up Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say. 
They're the ones who's coming up, and the world is in their hands. When you teach the children to jump the very best you can. But just let it be. Na, 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 na. The world won't get no better. We gotta change it now. Just you and me. Wake up all the doctors. Make the old people well. They're the ones who suffer and who catch all the hair. But they don't have so very long. It's time to build a new land. I know we can do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to do is put it in our minds. Surely things will work out. They do it every time. The world won't get no better if we just let it be.
just tuning in we've kind of been really talking about all things education it's truly been like a this that and a third on education as we kind of try and you know unpack a lot of the problems and issues um, and things that need to be done and um, next week hopefully we're gonna start looking at some solutions or what would be some possible call to actions that we can make to address this problem. But, you know, I feel like in all my talk on public education and, you know, what's going on and what's not happening in the war on public education that we are losing, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't talk about these kids. <laughs> <laughs> these kids that are inhabiting this school because I'm going to tell you guys right now, these, these kids are a different, they're, they're a whole other breed of kids that, that's coming up today. And, you know, I tell this to anyone and everyone who will listen when it comes to these kids growing up today. I said, we should have known. <laughs> we should have known to be worried about this generation. Because this generation... It was the only generation that I've ever seen as kids that would prefer to watch other people play with the same toys that they have. They literally would rather sit on the, and watch the screen and watch people play with Barbie dolls and watch people play, you know, with, with toys that yeah. they have. 
And to them, that's more fun. Yeah. It's like, no, sweetheart, you could do that too, baby. You could achieve that same look. Yeah. Just go do it. Just go play. Right? That should have been the first sign that something was wrong with these kids. I'm telling you. I like we really need to get a handle because the entitlement of these kids is insane. The lack of work ethic of these kids is insane. They expect to go into everything and just be good at it automatically. And if they're not good at it automatically, they don't want to do it. They don't respect the process at all. At all. You know, it's funny because I think about, you know, they're the kids who don't perform well in the games, but still be mad when you're talking to them about practice. Because <laughs> they, they, just, they just expect to go in and, and, and just be phenomenal. Like, these kids today are different. I mean, and we could say a large part of it is social media, right? Because that's, we did, I mean, I don't know what I like what I would look like at 13 if I had a phone an iPad if I had access to the world at my fingertips you know I mean th these kids are processing all types of information stuff that they're not even developmentally ready to process right I mean we all know that you know there is nothing <laughs> more scary and emotional than the mind of an adolescent, it's not, the rational part of the brain is nowhere near developed. They're all driven on emotion and they're constantly getting all these sensory triggers. I, I mean, it, it's like a recipe for disaster. It, it really is. And we're seeing it play out. I mean, and, and even and even with the guy, you know, I mean, I, I have a daughter, so she's not much of a gamer, but I hear what's happening with the boys, too, and in these games, and girls, I know there are girl gamers, okay? So please no one say, that's sexist. <laughs> you know, I know there are girl gamers, but, I mean, the, the gaming is is out of control, too. And I yeah. know, Thad, you said you could, you know. Yeah, my nephew about. used to love the game a lot. Yeah, so there'd be times where he'd get his game taken from him as a punishment. You know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. It's just you got to know your child. That's what I feel. But you're right, the brain uh, is not fully developed for a lot of children that are put in front of screens, and just the colors of that screen are affecting your electromagnetic biosphere as well. So it's uh, further kind of like stunning your growth or not really um, giving you the full potential of growth that you, that you could have or that a child could have being set in front of um, devices that are emitting a lot of radiation, for one. From what I read, the radiation and the colors, they even affect us. So, you know, they're affecting the undeveloped child. Yeah, and a child with an undeveloped brain. Um, but you could just, you know, you see the, the behaviors of a lot of children now, especially like we were talking about before the show uh, from the pandemic and you know, so many children getting adapted to just being in front of the screen all day, every day, because they didn't have anything to do. So it's kind of been a little bit of social engineering going on here, you know, like, uh, and that goes along with the other uh, issues that I was saying, you know, underlying issues in our society that caused the educational system to kind of falter a lot of children. 
Well, yeah, because I think, you know, school, one of the biggest benefits of, of school yeah. was designed to do at its core, <coughs> besides educate, was also socialize. And these kids today, a lot of them, they, they, they don't know how to socialize. Um, I can remember, you know, teaching uh, at a high school and we had 90 minute block periods. So I would give them kind of like a 10 minute break, you know, at, at the halfway point. And in that 10 minute break, you went to the bathroom because you weren't going. Once I started speaking, you went to the bathroom, you got up, you moved around, brain break. And I remember when they said, well, you know, Miss Lane, can we take our phones out? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, what are we supposed to do? And I'm like, talk to each other? And it just seemed to be like a novelty concept for, like they, they don't want to talk to one another. They'll text one another. <laughs> They'll text one another all day. But they don't want to talk to one another. Yeah. They just literally want to be, you know, yeah. on their phone. Because that way they've been introduced to socializing is different in this digital age. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm. I, you know, I, I would tell any teacher, too, and I actually tried this and it worked. If you have a class, right, I had a class that was very hard to settle. I'll admit that. You know, they would come in. It would take them literally 10 minutes. It was right after lunch to just get them calm down everybody like wrangling a herd you know to get them calm down and ready to learn and ready to go and so i recorded myself like literally i sat and i recorded myself and i played it as they walked into the room and they saw me on the screen in the room you would think a celebrity was on the screen <laughs> they're like this lame See what she's saying. And they're sitting there like, oh my God, this was the coolest thing in the world. And they were like, can you record yourself some more? And I'm like, but you know I'm a, I'm a live person standing here, right? You get, you, you get me live. <laughs> I mean, these they're so used to just being in front of a screen. It's, it's insane. It, it, it really is. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's like a whole other show for a whole other day. Maybe we need to bring on some experts to talk about, right? Because yeah. we were watching the video where the cool. guy talked about the screen and the release of dopamine and how yep. it's addictive. And yeah, yeah. we need to. And yeah. the images that are portrayed and how they affect your sleep, how they affect, you know, your waking state. It can help on the other side of things to speak positive about it because you do have some kids that excel in their grades they're very sociable you know but um you know they find their escape with video games and they still are very productive members of society so but it would be good to balance. get a educational i mean uh, you know experts um educational perspective on it i'd be very interested i think so, so y'all stay tuned for maybe that. Maybe we have some homework to do and get us an expert to give us a, uh, you know, that insight yeah. on another show. If our unknown expert is somehow That'd out there listening, you know, get at me. You we'll probably know somebody Lane within our friend circles. <laughs> get at me at info.ladylane at gmail.com if you are an expert. We want to hear from you. 
All right. Well, guys, I can't believe I have never seen literally an hour go so fast. Um, I feel like we could go a whole other hour. Um, and I really, you know, I, I know I need to give us the wrap up. Um, but I thank you guys. This has been really, it's, I hope it's been as enlightening and just eye-opening for all of you as, as it was for me, as, as it is for me, you know, I'm on this journey of just trying to figure out what needs to be done to fix public education. Because like it, 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 it has, we have to dismantle it. You know, we have to systematically dismantle it and put it back together in a way that makes sense, right? Where we do have class sizes that make sense. If all the research shows that smaller class sizes, you know, kids perform best in smaller class sizes of around yeah. 18 to 22, why do we have classes of 30 if all the research says that? I mean, these are things we have to look at. And we will look at in the next upcoming weeks. And I hope that you will continue your journey on with us in these next upcoming weeks. Um, because, yeah, next week we're going to get on with talking about some solutions to this. And um, I hope you'll join us. Until next week, I wish you all well. I wish you nothing but the best. God bless. I wish you guys love and light. God bless, love and light.